You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning. My name is Ken. I haven't been here for a while, and it's great to be back. Um, I feel like it's been a while, and it's great to see everybody. I know that we started a series while we were gone, but before we start, I'd like to thank uh, Tanya uh, Chaz and Olivia for taking care of the church uh, while, I was, while I was away. And as uh, Rob said, on vacation. I'm just kidding. I went partly on vacation, partly on a conference too to the Middle East. But I know that so, so many of us stepped up and took care of the church like the Donaldsons and so many other uh, people have stepped up as well. Thank you so much. And then I want to congratulate uh, two families. Uh, we have a doubleheader uh, last Sunday and uh, Bailey Cooper got baptized. And along with uh, Anthony Yang as well. So Anthony got baptized. It was great. To see the next generation coming on up. And it's great to see Bailey becoming a young woman and Anthony as well. You know, I have uh, three daughters. And uh, it's great to see Anthony. I'm still jet lagged, so I don't know what I said. So I'm sorry. So that's my excuse. It's great to see Anthony growing up. Uh, Lena and I have been here for about three years. And just to see him grow up and become a young man has been really incredible. You know. Yeah, I love my daughters. I got three daughters. I love my daughters to death. I'm perfectly happy and content. But every once in a while I do fantasize. What if I had a boy, a son? And uh, Anthony, I wouldn't mind if you were my son as well. So it's great to... A little tear-jerker moment there. But I uh, appreciate Todd. Todd put together a series, and, and Chaz as well, uh, talking about Jesus and uh, about the things that he claimed about himself. So we're going to be talking about Jesus as the great shepherd, the good shepherd today. But I want to give you a little bit about where I've been. All right? So uh, before uh, the trips to Europe for our 25th anniversary I had a chance to go to Washington, D.C. It was a really great setup. It was a program put on by Pepperdine University and uh, by the, um, by the, the uh, Lilly Foundation. And they picked 16 ministers from all around the L.A. area. To, it's a two-year program, which I was, I'm a part of, and just to give access to governmental people, uh, lobbyists, and stuff like that. And it was a trip down to D.C. for a few days. And it was great. I had a chance to meet with this guy here. He runs a lobby organization on behalf of Christian churches around the country. And just to be able to really help uh, Christian uh, churches uh, get laws in that, that are benef- beneficial to churches. After that, I got together with this, these guys here. They're uh, an Arab think tank. Uh, it was really cool. And again, uh, the meeting there was just to really help uh, how our churches in America can help the Arab community. After that, Lena and I went to uh, Europe for our 25th anniversary. And uh, that's the Eiffel Tower. I want to show you that because it is a promise that I made to my wife. Uh, for many years, she felt cheated that all of our vacations were doubled up with something else, like I had to do something or share something or teach a lesson somewhere. But this is purely vacation, and it's 25 years. And uh, my wife still looks awesome. Doesn't it? After 25 years, I am more in love with her now than I've ever had. So uh, that was our trip to uh, the Eiffel Tower. Thank you very much. All right. 
And then uh, I appreciate my wife. Not, not only is she beautiful, but, you know, we had just moved. And after we moved, I took off uh, for these trips. And, uh, you know, this is a picture of Stonehenge. And when I came back from my trip, uh, the house was fully, you know, decked out and all the furniture was removed. And my wife's only like 105 pounds. I'm like, how did she do all this? And I found the answer to Stonehenge. It's my wife, Lena. So while everyone was sleeping, she was moving furniture and these stones around. Not only she's beautiful, but she's amazingly uh, practical as well. Okay, this is the uh, trip to the Middle East. And as you all know, Mike is uh, in charge of really from our side here in the U.S. to help take care and shepherd. Talk about the good shepherd. Mike's done a great job. The Middle East is a really tough field to work in. You know, Lena and I felt like we had a pretty tough field as well in Vietnam, communist country and all that stuff. Middle East is tough. If you think about what's going on over there, it's pretty overwhelming. You know, Syria is in the midst of a civil war. Iraq was in the midst of a civil war. Uh, Sudan separated from north to southern Sudan. Egypt has gone through an economic turmoil since the the, uh, revolution that they had in 2011. When we were there, I felt really bad. Uh, A few years ago, there their currency was, if you go there, you spend $1, you get five Egyptian pounds. That was the equivalency. Now you go there, their dollar is devaluated so much, their pound has devaluated so much that you get, for every dollar that I spend, I get 17 pounds. So their currency has, has really devalued, and you really see people suffering and working really, really hard just to make ends meet. So I appreciate Mike. The guy to uh, Mike's right, his name is Mufid. He's actually Lebanese, and uh, he went over to the church in, in uh, Cairo to help lead the church there, and they're about to really make a big decision on their future as well. And it's tough, because the kids are going to be moving to Cairo. Cairo is a very unsafe city uh, to live in, in many aspects. Not all, but, but many aspects. Definitely one of the more um, tougher places to work in the Middle East. So I think they're in the midst of making that decision to perhaps move back. Uh, to Cairo. Uh, The Cairo church is incredibly emotional. You wouldn't think of it, right? Like these Arab guys, they're incredibly emotional. They love worship through songs. And while we were there, this guy is their main song leader, and he's, he's, uh, his name is uh, Shadi. Uh, So he uh, he loves worshiping. And quite a few times that we were there, Mike and uh, Mofid literally had to go up and drag him down. Because he would just go impromptu for like, I'm not kidding you, for like half an hour at a time. And just, and this song, and this song, this song, and this song, and that song. And that's pretty cool. And then that lady in the back there is the drummer uh, for the church. So in some ways, it was pretty cool to see uh, Arab nations, our brothers and sisters, breaking through some of the, not racial barrier only, only, but some of the gender barrier as well. So for her to be a drummer is a big deal uh, in an Arab uh, country. They love families, uh, Arab, uh, they, they just tons and tons of kids running around. These two are brothers uh, on the corner there. That's Nicole. Nicole there went there. We uh, saved up enough mileage points for Nicole to go. And uh, she went there to serve in the teen ministry. And like I said, I mean, they have a ton of kids. So when we were there, um, I think part of it was very discouraging for me just to realize all the political s- stuff that was going on. But just to see the kids was incredibly um, uplifting. And just to see the next 
generation coming up. So it helped me to really appreciate the, the, the support that we give them because a lot of that will go to this generation here. And I appreciate Nicole. Uh, the State Department issued out a bunch of like warnings. Don't go to Egypt. It's a terrible situation right now. But I appreciate Nicole uh, wanting to go and help out there. There she is with a couple of the teens. Uh, great teen ministry there in Egypt. Uh, these brothers are from Sudan. Uh, these guys are crazy. They, in, in Egypt, uh, the culture is late night. Uh, they stay up really late. And this is about midnight. And the kids are still out uh, playing, kicking the ball around soccer. Their curfew is 12 o'clock. And the kids are going to go back uh, to their rooms at 12 midnight and then uh, be in bed by 1230. That was, that was a pretty late night. So these guys are awesome. Sudan just went through a real tough um, separation between North and Southern Sudan. And literally, these brothers have nothing. I mean, it's a, it's a very tough situation, but they save up their money to come to the conference in Cairo. And the Egyptians love to eat. They love to eat. And we were invited to uh, their home to eat, and this woman just cooked. I think spent like a couple of days cooking, uh, just feeding us and stuffing us and insisting that we eat. And it's pretty cool. And it really helped me just to get an insight into what the Bible says when the Egyptian, when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they wanted to go back to Egypt because the leeks and the cucumbers are so good. It's really true. I mean, they eat a lot. And uh, the sisters are just like piling on the food on the table, just, you know, not for themselves, but for us, for me. Uh, you know, just really they love their food in Egypt. So from Egypt, we moved on to uh, Amman. Jordan is also a place that we support. Amman's a really incredible story. Let me close on out by saying this. These two brothers are, are really heroes in the faith. Uh, the guy to the right, the immediate right, your right, his name is Sammy. He leads the church in Jordan. And he was a guy that was in Iraq during the early 90s when Saddam was still ruling. And uh, this guy has got guts. Uh, he was there and he was arrested. He was uh, flogged and he was thrown in jail for no reason at all. No habeas corpus, none of that stuff. And he came out about three months later. I think his brother-in-law is Simon Hinn and he's in the middle there. He actually became a Christian at uh, San Diego State University in the early uh, 80s. And he became a Christian, graduated, went back to the Middle East. You know, this is before the church got started. And when the church finally got started, uh, a couple years later, I think, I think Keith knows, a couple years later, um, they went back and they found him. He was already helping his family become Christians. And as of now, uh, they have 36 disciples scattered all around the world, just from that guy and his family. So the Hinn family is pretty amazing. When we came back, uh, we sent off Elizabeth. And uh, this is a picture from, uh, uh, from Bolivia. And we're kind of sad. Uh, she's there for a year uh, to help with the clinic there. So in a nutshell, that's been our lives for the last month. It's great to be back uh, with you guys here today. Let's open up with a quick word of prayer. Pray that the lesson will be quick. Right, John? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you, uh, God, that we get a chance to know brothers and sisters from around the world. God, that your movement is not local. Uh, ever since the beginning, we see that your plan was that all people will know you. Thank you so much for including us here today in that plan. 
And Father, I pray that we can keep that heart, God, to go anywhere, do anything for you. And uh, God, we do pray for the brothers and sisters and the folks in Texas that you bring relief and you bring relief quickly, God. Father, I pray that the sanitation uh, problems will, will be taken care of with all the waters uh, just lying around. Father, please protect the church. Please be with the winds and hope worldwide. And give them wisdom and faith on how to just direct the relief work from our end. And I pray for all those other groups as well. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the seven statements of Jesus, I am. And today we're going to look at, I am a good shepherd. You know, we live in a world where a lot of people are looking for something. You know, the biggest section in any bookstore you go to, one of the biggest section is the self-help section. People are looking. People are hurting. People are struggling with this incredible time that we live in, incredibly fast-paced, but also an incredibly confusing time as well. People are trying to figure out things in their lives. And I haven't been around that long. I've been around for 50 years of my life, and I haven't seen, you know, as much as I've seen now, just really people are struggling with anxiety. Maybe, maybe we just didn't know about it back then when I was growing up. But I, I just sense that this is so much more now. Anxiety, fear, and uh, just insecurity about their future. And I think this is a great topic to talk about as we learn about Jesus being the good shepherd. What do we put our trust in? I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm not talking about just proclaiming ourselves to be Christians. But I'm talking about just in our innermost being, in our hearts of hearts. What do we really put our trust in? Is Jesus really the good shepherd in our lives? Is he really walking side by side with us that we really feel a sense of peace in our lives today? And that's what Jesus was trying to do, was that when he came here on earth, he wasn't just here to give us a few, you know, great philosophical quotes or how to live our lives, but to be with us personally and not to leave us when he went back into heaven, as Rob talked about Matthew 28, but to send us the Holy Spirit to guide us as well. I am the good shepherd. You know, we'll start off in John 10, verse 9. He says, I am the gate, which Chaz preached about. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Ultimately, what did Jesus come to bring? Jesus came here to bring not a good life, an easy life, uh, you know, carefree life, But Jesus ultimately is the good shepherd of our soul. That's what he's concerned about. You know, when we were over in Asia, Lena and I studied about with a lot of people. And and the thing that we need to weed out was that a lot of people wanted to come to church because they want the good life. They want to learn English. They want to, you know, they want to hang around with Westerners. They They want some secrets. They want not the gospel, but they want... Not the good news, but they want some good advice. And I think if we're not careful in Christendom here in America, it's the same thing. We want to use God for some good advice. We want some good advice for our lives. We want some good advice on how to reach our kids and, and, you know, make sure that our kids don't stray from the path. But do we really, really want the good news about Jesus? And we got to understand that he came here to seek and save our souls. That's the main thing. 
And I say that because some of us might be disappointed in our Christian walk with God. So I thought these things were going to be all hammered out. I was going to have this incredible marriage. I was going to have this incredible, uh, you know, life and finances and all that stuff. And I hope you're not disappointed in God. Because ultimately the goal is to seek and save our soul. They will come in and out and find pastor. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. That's a, pro- that's a huge promise that Jesus made. He didn't come here to, you know, give us a few good advice and good piece of, you know, whatever philosophy. To have life to the full. And a big component of it is knowing where we're going after this life. So I want to transition here from the gate to the good shepherd. You know, Jesus didn't pull any punches. What did he say? He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And if you look at the context of this scripture in John 10, John 9, he was talking about the religious people, the healing of the blind man. John 11 talks about him leaving that, that region for a while. After all this, he uh, offended some people and they were trying to kill him. And he went away and he came back into Judean uh, countryside. And really the context of this for us is what? He's really talking about the religious people. They come, they steal, and they kill and destroy. But the life to the full comes from having that relationship only with Jesus himself as the good shepherd. He's trying to say, look, it's not enough to just say, I believe and I'm a Christian. We need to have a relationship with God and we need to walk with him side by side. Is he really the good shepherd in our hearts? That's what he's saying. You know, we look at the map here. He was in the Judean countryside, a little bit to your left. He went over to Perea. That's where, uh, ironically, that's where Amman Jordan is. And that's where uh, John the Baptist did a lot of his work there. And he went back to Judea uh, where he was crucified. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 6, and this is what John says. There are two things we're going to be learning today. Okay, from Jesus, the good shepherd. Number one, we're going to learn about about who Jesus is. Okay, we need to know who we are worshiping. And number two, we need to learn from Jesus himself. It's not good enough to look at Jesus and say, wow, what a great shepherd and clap our hands and go, well, I'm going to sit here and just observe all this stuff. It is not a spectator sport. And John talks about this in his letter. He says, we know that we have come to know him If we keep his commands, whoever says I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. These are strong words. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. We need to learn about Jesus and we need to learn from Jesus. Whoever claims to live in him must live, must walk as Jesus did. We need to learn about Jesus and we need to learn from Jesus how to live. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to learn a little bit about Jesus. What does that mean to be a good shepherd and what does he want from us? What does his shepherding want from us, his sheep? A little bit about sheep. Okay, I think 
We don't like being compared to sheep because sheep really is not the smartest animal in the world. Okay? But I thought about this the other day too. I think maybe sheep is a little bit mad about being compared to us as well. All right? We always go, you know, I don't want to be a sheep. Maybe the sheep doesn't want to be like us. Okay? I know sheep stinks, but you know, we kind of stink too. Lena and I came back. I came back and it was Gabby's first day at school. And uh, Gabby was transitioning from kindergarten to first grade. Big deal, right? And uh, the school out in El Marino is a great school. So El Marino, you know, devised this plan where they meet with their old teacher first. They line up with their old teacher for about 15 minutes. And then they're going to go into their new class. And it takes about 25 minutes, okay? It's not just dropping the kid off in the new class because they want to, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just help the kid get a little bit more um, comfortable, you know, transition from the old class to the new class. And we loved it. But as we're walking away, some of the teachers are like, oh, I don't, some of the parents are like, oh, I don't know why they did that, you know, all this complaint and stuff like that. And I thought about what stinkers you are. It's just a little thing, you know, they're trying to help your kid. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe that's not how you would like to do it. But you know, Sheep has an attitude towards us. I just want to let you know that as well. Okay? It's not just us feeling, oh, why is he comparing us to sheep? The sheeps are saying the same thing. Why is he comparing them to us sheeps here? Okay? Sheeps has a bad attitude towards us. Get off me, little kid. All right? I say that because, you know, we need help as people. We're not who, you know, all that. And when Jesus compares us to sheep, let's be humble about it, all right? Sheep are great animals. They're domesticated animals. You don't see a wild sheep roaming, you know, the streets of Hollywood, you know, wild, angry sheep. Yeah, no, they're not. They're, they're tame, and, and that's what Jesus compared us to. And that's the sheep pen there. You know, I love this scripture a lot because you know what Jesus says about himself? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not, own, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is high, he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Who is our good shepherd? Who is Jesus? He said this about himself. He says that, look, I'm not a hired hand. He takes ownership of the sheep. He takes ownership of you and he takes ownership of me. This is not a super, super superficial relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. He wants us to be close. He wants to have a relationship with us. That's number one. You know, in the Greek, I love this word here. In the Greek, for, he lays down his life for the sheep. You know what that means? He lays down his life on behalf of the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep instead of the sheep. This is what a sheep pen looked like in New Testament time. The shepherd himself will lay, will lead all the sheep into the pen. It's a circular thing. He leads all the sheep in and the Bible says he actually calls them each by name. And then at night, what the shepherd does is that he seeps right by the door there. Basically, if you want to steal the sheep and take it out, either unless you carry it out, you have to go through the shepherd. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, if you want to take my sheep away, you're going to have to go through me. 
and he protects the sheep. There's the word in Greek. It's on, on behalf of, in place of, on account of the sheep. Why am I going through this? I'm going through this because I think sometimes we have a real issue with our worth. I think sometimes we struggle a lot in our life and says, who am I and why am I here and all that stuff. And Jesus is saying, look, you're, you're really special to me. And I want to look at another scripture later on that, that really shows the significance of that and what does that mean for our lives. Number two, he says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have the authority to take it up again. This command I receive is from my father. Point number two. What's so significant about this point here, about this passage? Jesus says what? In leadership, no one is making me do this. I am laying down my life for the sheep on my own accord. You know, I did a lesson for the uh, singles ministry and we talked about this a lot. We talked about how a lot of Christians get in trouble as they get older in their faith because they feel like a lot of stuff that they do comes from someone else's conviction. And I want to talk to the teens here a little bit and I've I've harped on this a lot and I'm going to harp on this over and over and over again. Somewhere along the line, it's okay to borrow someone's conviction but along the line, we've got to get our own conviction about what God wants of us. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says, you know, take the time not only to own the sheep, but take the time to have your own intentionality about your relationship with God. And I want to talk about the campus as well. You're a little bit older. You're a little bit more mature. You're, you're older than the teens. You're figuring that out as well. And I guarantee, I guarantee you this. It's not just the singles the campus, and the teens, but adults also. How much do we take responsibility for our own relationship with God's Word? How much of it is ours, and how much of it is us relying on people week in, week out, month in, month out, Sunday by Sunday? Are we getting our own conviction as Jesus is talking about? This is Jesus himself. He says, listen, no one's making me do this, but I'm doing this on my own accord. That's the good shepherd. He's not a hired hand. He's doing this because of his genuine love for each one of us. John chapter 10, 14 to 18. So we learn about Jesus. We want to learn from Jesus as well. You know, Luke chapter 8 and verse 8 to 11. I appreciate Rob's communion a lot. And I really relate to him because as a disciple for going on for 30 years, I really wish that I had overcome some of the things that are in my nature. And I appreciate Rob's honesty in saying that, how long is this going to go on in my life? Here's a story about Jesus and how he shepherded Peter, and I think it's going to help us as well. Peter saw this miraculous catch of fish. And this is an incredibly weird twist to the story. Instead of praising Jesus and go, wow, that's awesome. You know, let's meet again tomorrow here. Same spot, same place. Let me bring a bigger net. Get some money out of this thing here. 
Look what he says. It's really funny. So they catch this miraculous fish. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. It's kind of a weird response to something amazing. Look what Jesus said to him. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats out from shore, left everything, and followed him. You know, we have a choice here today. We have a choice to go by our own story and perpetuate our story. Kind of woe to us. Pat ourselves in the back. Feel sorry for things that have happened to our lives. Or we can let Jesus, as our good shepherd, change our story. What do we want today as we sit here today? And I appreciate what Rob says about faith. About faith. Do we still believe that he can move the mountain? Do we still believe that he rolled the stones? I want you to think about this. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what background you came from. I don't care if you are, you know, really messed up. I was really messed up when I was growing up. But the story can start there, but it doesn't have to end there as a disciple. And Jesus said to Peter, you know, as well as me, I'm a sinful man, and rightly so. And that's the right response, actually. When we come face to face with God, we get a little more humble. It's a good thing. But I appreciate Jesus not dwelling on that and go, yeah, you are really a jerk. You are really messed up. That's so obvious. Everybody knows that. But Jesus interjects and changed his story. And Peter learns from Jesus. We have a choice here today. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying life is easy. Life is hard. Life's tough. Each one of us has our own individual, unique story. Even guys like Nick Neal grew up in Orange County. You know, like, what could be wrong? There's stuff there, you know? We all got stuff. We all got history. But it doesn't have to end there. I, you know, I have an attitude towards this person. It doesn't have to stay there. Let Jesus be the good shepherd. Let him be the good shepherd. Let him interject and change our story. Today, it's possible. Today. It's like the good car use, you know, good... Used car salesman, right? Today. You need to buy this car? Today. Not tomorrow. Today. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Today we can change. Now, it'll take work, but the decision can be today. Decisions can be today. Let Jesus, as the good shepherd, change our mind. Let's learn from Jesus. Amen? Number two. This is the end as we close on out. John chapter 21. So this is after the resurrection. Peter betrayed Jesus, came back. And this is what Jesus said to him. He comes back and Jesus said, do you love me? Do you really love me? You said you did, right? Do you really love me? The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Just as Jesus changed Peter's story, gave him a great commission. 
Get over yourself. Get over yourself, Peter. Feed my sheep. Take care of people. Get over yourself, Peter. I know you sin against me. It's, it's, it's all good. I need you to feed my sheep. West Side, I think God's telling us the same thing. Amen? We have the truth. We, we are, no matter what our issues, problems are, I guarantee you, I, I believe in the Word of God, that we are saved. We are, we got it pretty good. So Jesus closed out with this passage here. Peter, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself. And you went where you wanted. You were in control. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. This scripture is very haunting. It is. It haunts me. When I was younger, I did whatever I felt like. I thought what I felt like. But now I'm a disciple. Jesus says, I'm going to stretch out my hand. I'm going to go to places I don't want to go. I'm not talking about just geographically, emotionally, physically, and emotionally, and intellectually as well. That's what's great about being a sheep in Jesus' ministry. You know, we can be greater than Star Trek, right? When he says to go boldly where no person has gone before, that's a disciple. To go where we've never gone before. We should be the most victorious people on the face of the earth. Let me close out by reading an Old Testament passage to the fulfillment in the New Testament when David considered his good shepherd. He said, The Lord is my ball and chain. The Lord is my prison. Right? No. He found the secret. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, people pay a lot of money to get psychotherapy. You know, a lot of people get pay a lot of money to get a personal coach. You know, a lot of people pay like exorbitant amount of money to get help from other people. And yet, Peter, David understood, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. Calm my heart. Calm my nerves. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, we're intertwined together. What we do affect the shepherd as well. We can make the shepherd look good by being a great sheep. Jesus cares about his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and this version says the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to be beaten. You anoint my head with oil. Picture this. And my cup overflows. Instead of living a deficit life all the time, I need, I need, I need, I need. Give, give, give to me. He says, 
My cup overflows. I got plenty. You need some oil? Come over. Come over. Rob, need some money? Go see John. Come over. (laughs) My cup overflows. Isn't that cool? The imagery there? The good shepherd? Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God bless. Thank you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.